Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome back to the Realist Podcast in the Dunya, the three Muslims. We're joined here with a very special guest, Leroy Kenton. How's it going, man? Doing well. How are you guys doing? Good, man. All praise to the Most High. I can't complain. So before we go in, I just want to give a quick uh, little shout out to you. You have a channel. You have multiple channels, FTD. Yeah. So I'm sure all the FTD family that's loyal is here tonight to tune in. Um, before we go too much in, I want to know a little bit about your story. So you had a little bit of a relationship with Christianity. From what I know, you made a video titled Why I Left Christianity. Tell us about it all. There's no you know, time limit, no pressure, anything that you feel comfortable with. And then I hear you got some questions for us. So God willing, we will answer them all. For sure. For sure. So, yeah, a little bit about my background. Uh, you are right. I, I grew up in a Christian household. Uh, specifically, it's a denomination of Christianity known as Seventh-day Adventist. And growing up, it was like going to church. It was every Saturday, not Sunday. You know, we kept the Sabbath similar to the Jews. So Friday sunset was, you know, no more TV, no more work, nothing like that, all the way until Saturday sunset. So that was my life for 20 plus years. And I... In that time, I got a lot very familiar with the Bible, and I started just learning and reading, diving into the original languages, learning the Hebrew, uh, the Greek, and everything, and just trying to really understand my religion and live it out, you know, to the best of my ability. And then over time, I began to get more involved with the church, uh, my, my relationship. Uh, with God had started to develop and everything. And I was really curious, you know, one of the things that was really driving me to learn more about my religion, specifically at the time, was uh, a verse in Genesis, uh, one in Genesis chapter one, where God says he made man in his image. I was like, whoa, so hold up. You're telling me that if God made man in his image, that means God must look like something. That was my reasoning at the time. So I was like, okay, well, what does God look like? And that strange as it sounds, that was literally my motivating factor, getting closer to God because I just wanted to know. So uh, fast forward now, um, I started getting involved with uh, a particular group. Now, they're not necessarily familiar, uh, affiliated with uh, the Seventh-day Adventist religion, but this group of Christians that I started hanging out with uh, began to say that they started hearing messages from God. And, you know, of course, this is something that I'm like, oh, interesting. All right. Well, let me hear more. And the more I hung out with them is the more stories I would get of people saying, God told me to do this. God showed me this. He sent me a vision of this. 
and it began to pique my interest and I'm not going to lie, I was really caught up in it. And there was a particular prophecy that there was a massive flood that was coming, right? <laughs> and this is supposedly coming from God. And long story short, it didn't happen. And after that moment, after right at that time, I was thinking, I'm like, wait a minute, here I am thinking that I'm getting closer to God. Here I am thinking that these people, they're hearing from God and of course, if God says something's going to happen and it doesn't happen, it wasn't from God because God doesn't lie. So then I, I took a, you know, some time to just really check and say, hmm, maybe what I believe isn't necessarily all there is to believe. Maybe there's more to this religion thing. Maybe there's more to hearing from God, you know, and just because I believe in something really, really strongly doesn't necessarily mean that it's true. So that was my mind, you know, my mindset at the time. And plus it was pretty hard because I'm like, you know, I, I felt like an idiot because <laughs> here I am becoming, um, you know, like one of these religious nutcases that I see on the news, in, mm. in, in a, you know, in a smaller sense. And that was literally the turning point of me saying, okay, how about I step back and take a look at religion just from an objective view and just see and learn and that's how i started to learn more of islam because growing up you know as a christian i would often hear well don't read the quran uh don't talk to those guys because mm. you know one specific incident i remember somebody told me don't read the quran because you can get possessed by a demon <laughs> <laughs> so you know what I mean, right? So all I knew growing up was my bubble of religion. And when I decided to say, okay, let me take another look, I put that aside and I started to examine religion in a more open way. So <laughs> that's the story in a nutshell of uh, where I am today and why I do what I do. Okay, okay, fair enough. <laughs> and before I pass the torch over to Rami, I just want to know off the rip, all right? Just for the record, yeah. where do you stand right now in terms of your beliefs, right? So a lot of people, once they leave a certain type of religion or denomination or way of life or ideology, they kind of feel conflicted, man. Let's be honest. So sometimes there's a lot of misinformation out there. Sometimes yeah. there's an over amount of information, right? Sometimes people say, you know, let me take a break from this religion thing. Let me, you know, agnostic, you know atheist or whatever and a lot of times other people they leave one religion immediately into another right so where do you kind of stand um at, at the current moment i don't identify with any particular religion i mm -hmm. i do hold some beliefs so that some people would say well you know that's held in islam you know that's held in christianity that's held in hinduism and whatnot but i currently don't have a religious label I, I've chosen to live my life like that, at least for this period of my life, because with that, I found some freedom. You know, there's no pressure to have to gravitate to one particular ideology or one particular religious path. I could just observe and learn and then come to conclusions after I've examined the details. Okay, so when you say you don't belong to any particular way of life or religion, 
how are you in terms of your i guess fundamental belief in god i yeah i do believe in god uh i don't believe that god can be seen though as i previously <laughs> believed um i believe god was uncreated meaning that god is eternal always existed can't die can't sleep you know all powerful all knowing uh everywhere all at once mm. and everything that could possibly happen and will happen and has happened god knows okay so you believe in in the divine decree like god knows everything that has happened yeah. will happen continue to happen yeah. you you mentioned one one thing too um subhanallah it agrees with uh you know the islamic ideal that we don't believe god allah to be omnipresent right but we believe allah to be um you know in terms of knowledge the all knowing the all wise omniscient right being everywhere at once would limit god and his divine decree like imagine if i could look at something and be like okay since god is everywhere i could see yeah. god right there right that to me it just didn't say right but yeah okay anyway okay. i'm gonna pass the torch over to rami, rami all man. right bismillah uh hello hello Leroy, bro, I, I'm really happy we could do this, and I'll say why in a second. First, I want to give a, a little bit of a disclaimer. Uh, I suffered a mild allergy attack a few minutes ago, so forgive me if I look or even sound a bit stuffy. Uh, you know, it is what it is. It's not. Uh, it's nothing new to me. Alhamdulillah. But Leroy, I, I've been watching your videos since uh, probably before we started this channel, probably before I started my my personal channel even. So I'm really, really happy that you know we could we can get together and collab like this. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, it's uh, a pleasure. Dude, Happy with the pleasures arts. So, um, first, I wanted to ask: uh, in your years of you know research and religion and stuff, what would you you know kind of summarize that you've found in your research? Mm -hmm. uh, like, in what sense? Uh, just in about religion in general, or um... yeah, I would say about about the truth in general. Things that. Uh, you find truthful in certain religions. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what I've found is I've come to the conclusion that there is a God. Now, the term God is just an English term, right? You know, th there's so many words that can be used like Allah, you know, uh, Yahweh. There, there's so many terms that you can call God, the creator, the divine being, you know, I found that that is a common theme in all religions, although the the word used might be different, you know, and with me, what I've also found is that based on the word that is used, it can give particular impressions about God. So uh, just to give you an example, like I mentioned uh, earlier, when I was saying, well, well if God is made god made humans in his image that he must look like something um but nobody has seen god at it like at all ever that you know referring to god having an image creates a particular impression in my mind that okay he must look like something right um even the term god for instance has its limitations you know there's capital g lowercase g the term god can be used for you know somebody of great excellence and things like that so i found limitations with uh with language use um but i, I do have to uh say though that the the term allah 
you know, um, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it means the God, right? Like the the only God. Yeah. Yeah. yeah basically, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So referring to Allah and saying He, all, right away, that can leave an impression that God is a male figure, but how could God be a male figure if God created male? So th those are some of the things that I've learned. Language is really important when it comes to looking at religion as well as how we interpret what we're hearing. Because you may be saying to me, Allah, but right away I'm seeing some man in the sky in my brain, right? <laughs> so it's, it's just important to understand what is being said in each particular religion and understand it. And this is one reason why I like going to the source to hear from, you know, Muslims who live and understand the religion so you can explain it because I don't want to be misinterpreting. So that's one thing that I've found. Language is 100% important and also that God exists, that, you know, the teaching and understanding of God exists. Those are two, two big things that I've found so far. Yeah, yeah, that, that's really great. That's really great. Because I would say that the one thing you can find, uh, w whether people are religious or not, is a common belief in something spiritual or a common belief in God or the afterlife or something like that. So I'm really, really glad that you can kind of piece all of that together uh, and see that commonality and also, you know, be critical because there's a lot of people that lack that that critical aspect to their, you know, their kind of academic research and everything, or they're critical of you know, one religion, one particular religion, religion, and then not so critical of another. Uh, and this is something I've, I've seen quite a bit with my like live discussions and stuff. So, I'm, you know, for me, especially, it's, it's really great to see that kind of criticism from you. Uh, I think I think it's great. Now, my second question before I move on to perhaps some of the questions you have, yeah. my friend, is uh, you said that you don't, uh, well, I don't want to like kind of <laughs> misrepresent what you said, but paraphrasing, you don't gravitate toward a particular religion right and i was going to ask is there a reason behind that i know you mentioned that there you know it reduces the stress of kind of having to gravitate towards one uh, but is there a reason you don't want to gravitate towards one how would you uh feel about or how do you feel about perhaps finding the truth if such a thing exists with a religion um the reason why i i do this is because the moment I, I I fundamentally believe that each religion is coming from a particular viewpoint, right? And it, the moment I start identifying with one particular religion, I then have to take on that viewpoint. And to me, it just wouldn't be fair for me to have as much of an objective view as possible on religions before I make my decision. Uh, rather than taking on a religion, then looking through things through that perspective, I can just look and examine, right? So does that answer your question? Yeah, 100%, 100%. Yeah. You know, I actually, I really like that answer too. I really like that answer. Uh, I want to propose kind of an idea to you, and I, I want to hear your thoughts. Sure. On it. So sure. when, it, when, when it comes to anything we believe in life, right, whether it's a scientific belief, a political belief, or whatever, um, what we do as humans is we look at the evidence behind that belief. And you'll find that the evidence that points towards the truth of one, you know, stand, stance or uh, viewpoint would by necessity uh, 
prove the other one's wrong objectively or well, not objectively but at least objectively to you know in your own mind so okay. let's say let's say you find the the big bang model very very convincing in science then the idea that the universe is eternal would not be compatible with that belief by definition so likewise it's 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 the same with religion even though religions overlap in terms of beliefs and everything there can only be one religion or one way of life that is true or in other words one truth if Christianity is true, then it's impossible for Islam to be true because one believes in the Trinity. One literally specifically outlines the Trinity by saying, do not say three. Right. Uh, and same thing with basically, I'd say every other religion. So I guess what I'm trying to get at here is if you were able to validate one religion or prove one religion by necessity, it would disprove everything else. So you wouldn't have to kind of see every single religion like 100 percent before making your choice. Mm -hmm. do you what do you feel like that kind of solves the i don't want to say problem that you have with it but would that wouldn't that make it easier i, I would say it's one way to look at it not necessarily easier um mm -hmm. i could see how that approach could work for certain people yeah um because i don't know based off of how they grew up or what they've learned uh, the convictions that they have um but me fundamentally believing that what a religion is its own viewpoint mm -hmm. um i it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be okay with me yeah. right so let me i'll try to explain it like this i believe that all the religions they're pointing to the 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 same fundamental truths now it could be said differently but fundamentally it's there and there could be a lot of differences uh you know one religion may clarify something better and to say it differently and whatnot and but ultimately i think they all say this they all point to the same fundamental truths so me believing that and taking on a particular religion it it would be violating that particular belief i have now one thing about me though is I understand that this is a viewpoint that I've taken on. It's not necessarily the truth, right? I, I don't claim to say like, okay, this is the truth or the only way to look at life and look at religion and examine things. It's just a way that I've chosen to live this particular period of my life. Um, and I found that it works for me. It may not work for somebody else though. Yeah. Yeah. 100%, 100%. And at the end of the day, you know, to each their own, I'm glad that you know, at least this viewpoint is is open. You know, a lot of people's viewpoints end up being closed off and then they uh they're kind of just stuck like that, stagnate, you know, stagnant for the rest of their life. And yeah, that's not something anyone wants to be. Whether they're religious or not, I think everyone should have that open mind and be able to look at different ways of life, different uh, you know, viewpoints, methods of living and and you well, know, you you gotta be right, you know, that that's also part of life. You know, when we were five years old look how much knowledge you've gained since that time and look how much we've added to our life you know we we've learned so much that we've expanded and it, just imagine if we were closed off to that just thinking like a five-year-old and the knowledge that we had back then right just closed off i i say we got to be open as humans like we mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. essential to the survival of humanity to yeah. be open or else you're stuck yeah 100 <laughs> percent. you know actually allah says in the quran uh, that he created us uh, basically in, in different, I'm going to paraphrase, but different races and different tribes, with different traits so that we can get to know each other. That's literally what Allah says in the Quran. Wow. I think that's a very beautiful passage because it, put it puts a spin on 
you know, racial, ethnic differences uh, in, in different traditions, even because a lot of people, they become, you know, racist or tribalistic. Yeah. Uh, but Islam puts a spin on it. It says the whole point of, of you, everyone being different so that you can get to know each other and basically, be, you know, live in harmony. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very beautiful, subhanAllah. So I'm going to go uh, grab tissues because of my. Uh, <laughs> no worries, bro. <laughs> I'm going to pass it on to no Allah. Bro, so. First of all, how are you, man? It's it's good to have you. <laughs> I am well. I've been watching a lot of your videos. Wow, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah. You're doing good work, bro. For real, like you, you're doing really good work. I like what you do. Appreciate uh, that, man. But <laughs> yeah, man. To get into everything, uh, first thing I want to say is that there was this one scholar that said, um, "Think about what Allah, like what God would look like." It's like whatever you could come up with in your head, it's nothing like that. Right. Like no matter what you can come up with in your head, you'll never be able to understand and grasp like what Allah truly looks like. And and God does look like something. We just won't be able to comprehend it until like, you know, we are completely past this point and we are no longer in this dimension, in this reality, in this life. You know, so that's something to think about. And so in is regards that, to is what that you, something that uh, Islam teaches, just for my clarification, that Islam teaches that in the hereafter you could like actually see God. Yeah, yeah the the people in in heaven, the people in Jannah, that would be one of the rewards actually. Wow. Yeah, okay. and it would be something that would be more beautiful than anything in this world. Like, think about the most beautiful scenery you've ever seen. Like, maybe let's say you're traveling. Let's say you go to um, uh, the Maldives, if I said that correctly. You've seen that, right? Where they have like mm-hmm. the little bungalows like on the, the ocean. Imagine waking up right there and then just seeing this beautiful sunrise. The, the, well, the colors in the sky is like the most intense orange you've ever seen. You're over here looking at the ocean, just serene, beautiful. It's just the most beautiful thing you've seen. Yeah, just know that that's just that's nothing compared to uh, what will be in Jannah, what will be in heaven, and what Allah, like what God is, you know, because that in and of itself is just a creation. Right. So it's all the creations are meant to be uh, like signs for us, you know, if you if you truly you know in tune with it and aware. But aside from that, what I wanted to hit on, bro is when you were saying that um, you're kind of looking into different religions, you know, so you can have an objective view. So you're not like fully pertaining to yourself to one before like you actually make your decision, right? Yeah. I think that's great, bro. I think that's great because I personally, you know, I'm a revert and I was there as well previously and I don't know if you've gotten to this point yet, but when you start to look into different religions, different spiritual practices, different cultural beliefs and all that, what you run into is that they all have pieces of the truth, pieces of the puzzle, right? Like you notice it. Have you noticed it or what? They, yeah, they complement each other. I I find that, yes, there's pieces here and there and all of that. And then sometimes you'll, you'll find something where it's like, oh, this has this as well. 
you know, and like the more you look into different religions, spiritual practices, cultural beliefs, the more you'll find this. And what you'll see is that some have more pieces than the others. And then the question that arises, okay, well, why do some have more pieces than the others? And then it all goes back to the telephone game. You remember the telephone game that we played as kids? I remember that. You'd go around and say a word in somebody's yep. ear and they had to tell it. And then by the time yep. it goes around the circle, it's a completely different word. You're like, wait, I didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, bro, God has been playing this game with us. And this is me dumbing it down. So if it sounds crude, it, it probably is because it's me dumbing it down. But it's it's basically God playing this telephone game with us, trying to relay the message relay the truth the answer as to like we all have these questions like why the hell are we here where the hell did we come from what the hell is coming next you know like what's the meaning of all this yeah. what's our purpose we have all these questions everyone has these questions it doesn't matter who you are in this world you have these questions why do you have these questions well god is like okay well let me tell you <laughs> right let me tell you because you all have these questions there's a reason why you have it so Ever since the beginning, God's been trying to play this game with us. And the moment God begins to tell us the answer, the moment we alter the answer, like in a telephone game, the moment we change the word, the original word is game over, right? It's game over. So what ends up happening is that God is sending this message. God is telling us the moment we alter it, God's like, okay, game over moves on to the next person or the next group of people and that's why you see all these different religions all these different spiritual practices all these different cultural beliefs have basically pieces of the puzzle some have more pieces than the other why because the ones that have more pieces than the others they were receiving the answer for a longer period of time before they altered the message mm -hmm. and the more you look into Islam, and, and again, this is not me trying to like convert you or force you. I would never do that. I'm just saying like from my own research, my own experience, the more you look into Islam, you start to see all the pieces begin to connect, begin to connect. And uh, ultimately, they all connect. There was no alteration of over 1400 years, and it's, it's yet to be altered. But you look at all the other different religions and spiritual practices, at some point in time, there were alterations. And with those alterations came the uh, cutoff of the answer, cutoff of the truth. Like, bro, you mm -hmm. look into Hinduism. You look into Hinduism, bro. Look at how crazy it is now where they have all these different idols, all these different gods. Like, it's pretty crazy, you know. But when I wasn't Muslim, I, I thought it was actually pretty cool because I was like, wow, they're so spiritual. They're so, like, peaceful and all that stuff. But, like, when I started looking into it, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa wait. there's something wrong here, like, because if you look into like the ancient Veda texts, like the original scriptures, the original scriptures spoke about only one God, only one God. And here they are now with multiple gods. So you see at some point mm. they altered the message. And Lero Habibi, I just wanted to add one point to Brother Anho. A lot of people might be on it, on the, that, you know, wave of thinking that, okay, why did God just not come down and tell us face to face? Like if God wants us to know the truth, why, you know, play all these, you know, send all these messengers and prophets, et cetera, et cetera, that lead to corruption and lead to alteration and modification. One, not only does this 
not befit Allah's majesty, right? Coming down as a man or so on, like other religions believe. But number two, then it wouldn't be a test. It really wouldn't be a test. Imagine me asking you, okay, cool. We're going to have an exam in like five days. All right. I'm going to give you all the questions that are going to be on the exam. And I'm going to give you the answers too. All right. And this test is going to be in five days. Everyone would pass. It would not be a test. Right. You gotta, you gotta think too. Um, I don't want to like overload you, but when you look at different religions, spiritual practices, cultural beliefs, um, when they were receiving the answer, the truth, it's all very simple and easy to grasp, right? Because it's, it's innate, it's innate. It's inside of us. Like when we see something to be the truth, when we like, we're like, ah, yeah, like I know this or well, yeah, that makes sense. It's because intuitively we already understood that. You know what I'm saying? So when you see these things and they make sense, it's because they were receiving the truth at that point. The moment that it starts getting overly complicated and you no longer intuitively understand, well, that's when you know that alteration has come into the picture. And like I said in the beginning, once the alteration sets in, it's game over, bro. It's like I, I said banana in the beginning and it's coming back as something else, as eggplant or something like that. I'm sorry, bro, but it's game over. Like we can't continue, you know, like it has to start over again. Hmm. And what's beautiful, bro, what's beautiful is that the uh, the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, he was actually asked about the um, like how many prophets or yeah, how many prophets came into existence. And correct me if I'm wrong, Rami, because I, I think you know this one pretty decently, this hadith. But it was narrated that he said, I think it was like around like 129,000 prophets roamed the earth. And that, that's crazy, bro. And then he was asked, like, okay, well, how many of them were messengers? And um, he said a far less number. So it's it just something to think about, you know? Mm -hmm. And on top of that, we know that every nation was sent a prophet, right? So if you think about it, every nation did get the truth. It's a matter of what they did with the truth. Now, human beings, subhanAllah, with Islam, we understand that we're all born with this thing called the... Have you heard about that? Uh, sorry, repeat that? The fitra. Have you heard about fitra. anything called fitra. the fitra? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah? What, what, what do you know from just when you hear that word? What uh, comes to mind? What did you research? It's like everybody is sort of born with a propensity to follow God because uh, you're baby, you're, you're innocent, and you're, you're literally born more susceptible to just following the will of God automatically. But over time, traditions and culture comes in and then it sort of changes that. Is, is that accurate? That's more or less in a nutshell what it is. It's okay, the innate okay. predisposition that human beings are born with, yeah. regardless of what religion they're born into, right? We, we from Islam, we know that every single person that is born is born a Muslim. It's just up to the parents to change their religion, right? So we understand. That's, why, that's also why, you know, a lot of people are like, why is it called revert and not convert? It's called revert because you're already born on the innate predisposition. You just revert to that state of your fitra later in life, right? But anyway, I'm going to let Rami take over now. Okay. 
Uh, personally, I want to I want to hear what uh, Leor has to say, or if he has any questions for us. Definitely. Uh, yeah, I I do actually. Um, you know, I I definitely appreciate the the standpoint of uh, Islam and it being the truth and all the the uh, truth out there is going to eventually point to Islam and all of that. The the question though that I have for you guys is, what makes Islam the truth? Like for you personally, living out lives as a Muslim, what is it for you anyways that was like, ah, oh, this is the truth? I think it's I think it's only fair that we let Anho answer it first, since he has been Muslim, you know, the least in terms of duration. <laughs> he's the he's the so newbie. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm thinking about it. I got to okay. gather my thoughts. So, Well, I'll go, I'll go quick because mine isn't too long. But in my life, I've had a three-step approach to this, right? The first step was let me look at every religion, right? Even though I was born Muslim, mind you, right? So I'm still not one of those, you know, even in the Quran, right? Allah says in the Quran, don't just, you know, follow or believe the religion of your forefathers because it's the religion of your forefathers, right? And Allah doesn't write this to, oh, disbelievers or, oh, you know, non-Muslims, right? So it's not excluded just to, you know, non-muslims i feel like everyone should firmly have conviction not blind conviction not blind faith none of that over here right so i looked at every religion and i realized most religions have been corrupted right they, they all you know start with monotheism and now they end up with polytheism i don't know how that makes sense even even rationally logically right if you want to you know rationally or logically prove the existence of one god you can disprove polytheism right that's we're already done with that everything points towards one god then you look at other religions that are like ethnocentric right like judaism like you have to be born into it from your mother's side um in terms of lineage otherwise it's very hard to convert right so kind of doesn't make sense then you have other religions where it's like um they believe in one god but then they have practices which don't make sense or there's contradictions right this is something huge you have a lot of channels right that try to paint, oh, look at contradictions in the Quran. All of these videos, all of these, you know, phonies have been refuted. There's no contradiction in the Quran. None, there, like, I challenge anyone right now to find one contradiction in the Quran, right? So for me, contradiction is a big thing, bro. I can't have something that it's like, I want to believe it, but then there's something that doesn't make sense. And then I, I don't want to be in that, that position you were talking about, where it's like, because I subscribed or prescribed to a religion, now I have to identify with it. So all the things that don't make sense, I kind of have to, you know, wear this jersey and go around acting like I'm on this team, but I'm not really ten, ten toes down. You know, I don't want to be in that scenario. So I hate that. So I looked at every religion and, you know, this was kind of step one. All right. Okay. Step two was, OK, once I'm like, all right, everything makes sense in Islam. Everything in other religions, you know, there's things that don't add up. Cool. Let me follow Islam. But let me kind of be a little precautious. Right. Let me see. OK, this thing makes sense. This thing makes more sense. This thing makes less sense. Right. The more I did this, every single question that I had always had a rational answer. Not that just logically makes sense to me, but resonated with within the fitra. Right. It always resonated with my gut. So this was kind of the second thing, right, where I was like kind of questioning everything, testing everything. And, and 10 times out of 10, I always got the answer. Then the third you know, phase was I've been in this long enough where I was like, OK, every single time I had a question or a doubt, there was always an answer and I got my clear answer. Right. So now I just got to work on my conviction. But yeah, essentially, that was my story. OK, so in terms of uh, working on your conviction, like how would you go about that? Like, can you clarify that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I got you, bro. So 
in Islam, right, the thing I love about Islam and as Muslims, right, we can never be bored. We have no excuse to be bored or lazy that we're just going to, you know, sit here and just do nothing all day. We always have something to do. Right. And it always gives us purpose and meaning in life. When you say work on conviction in Islam, we have two things. We have the aqidah, right, which is the belief. And then we have the sharia, which is the, the laws that govern our way of life. Think of it like that. When you look at a lot of different religion, religions like Christianity, let's say, they have aqidah, which is belief, but they don't have sharia. As in, you could just believe in this, and then whatever you do, you'll have salvation. Right? To me, that kind of didn't sit well. Matter of fact, I know you made some reaction videos to Sheikh Uthman ibn Farooq, and Sheikh Uthman um, was in a debate with uh, you know, some Christian ladies, and he asked them, you know, so what you're saying is you could be a Christian, you could commit, and then he said a lot of you know, heinous acts that I'm not going to mention, and then you'll still go to heaven? And they were like, yes. And to me, I was like, boom. There you go, caught in 4K. This does not make sense. Whereas here, it's like, yes, you have the aqidah, you have to be Muslim, but there's sharia, right? There's halal, there's haram, there's a way of life. And everything has governance, right? There were points where I was like, okay, why is this haram? Does this really need to be haram? And then I realized, okay, I understand that, either through anecdotal experience, you know, or through um, understanding and reason. All right. And you actually point to something uh, pretty cool that I've found about uh, Islam anyways, is that it's, it's pretty straightforward. Like what you need to do and practice, it's pretty clearly laid out. And I think that's why we don't see as many uh, offshoots and Islamic texts as we do see in other religions, because mm -hmm. there's a particular way, a train of thought. And generally speaking, if you ask a Muslim one question, you're generally going to get the same response back and the source of where they got it from. So I, I've actually found that to be pretty cool uh, about Islam is that it's uh, it's like, okay, here's a religion, bam, there you go. <laughs> this is what you need to do, follow it. It's, it's pretty straightforward. It's not like you're kind of making it up as you go you know yeah yeah yeah. so um, everything makes sense so if you're coming into it with the point of okay halal haram all of this i think this is secondary i think as muslims aqidah is number one and then sharia is number two right if you go to someone and you you, you tell them here's islam there's sharia this is halal haram nothing's gonna make sense so when the prophet peace be upon him came with revelation there was no halal and haram for a long period of time Right, and the Rami can clarify on the period of time in a moment. But in the beginning, it was just Tawheed, monotheism, right? The Aqidah, the correct belief system. I think that's fundamentally the most important thing. If you don't have that sound, everything else crumbles, right? In Islam, what does the Shahada mean? I'm sure you've heard of the Shahada. You made some videos talking about the Shahada. Yeah. Yeah. The Shahada, yeah. it's not like you got to go to you know a public place of worship or you got to pay someone or do anything, right? Because religion should not be you know costing you a dime. A shahada is something you can do in your, you know, in your bedroom, comfort of your own home, no witnesses, no, no one, and you just make a testimony, right, to God, first and foremost, that I bear witness that there is nobody worthy of worship except Allah, the one true God, right, the one Abrahamic God that all religions point towards, and I believe that Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, was his final servant and messenger. That's it. That's essentially what the Shahada is. And once you become Muslim, right, just like you're saying, it's very simple. We have a clear cut path. We have the five pillars of Islam, right, which is like you got to fast one time a year, right, uh, for 30 days. Uh, you got to go on Hajj at least once in your life, which is the pilgrimage. You got to pray five times a day. 
Um, and then there's some other stuff too. You got to give, you know, zakat, which is, which is, which is our 2.5% uh, of our income and all that. Right. But even then, if you really think about it, that's all you fundamentally have to do as a Muslim. These are your five pillars of Islam. And that kind of lays the groundwork for everything else. But yeah, essentially, I agree with you, bro. This was, it was a very simple process. And now it's kind of like, okay, now that I went through all this trial and error, testing everything out, testing the waters, now that I'm on, let me just, you know, do my best with the time I have in this life. But Rami, what's your, what's your answer? Uh, so, panel, before I go on, I just want to uh, actually say one thing about Zakat. It's actually, it's not 2.5% of our income. It's actually 2.5% of our excessive wealth. Extra, yeah. Yeah, oh, anything okay, you have okay. extra at the end, subhanAllah. Uh, so no income tax in Islam. You yeah, none of that. About that, stuff, that, that 20, 25% that they'd be taking from your income, man. <laughs> you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. But um, for me, subhanAllah, I can't give one end. Like, it wasn't like, as far as I know, there wasn't a point where I was like, okay, this is the truth. Uh, Islam is the truth. It was just an accumulation of things over time. And as I learned more, I just believe in it more. And the reason I say that is actually there's a concept in Islam uh, called Iman. I'm sure you've heard of Iman before, right? It's People, uh, equivalent of faith, yeah? See, that's that's the thing. I was just about to talk about that because that's actually a misconception that okay, even, okay. even I would say majority of Muslims believe because Iman linguistically means uh, rational conviction. So you're convicted of something because you have evidence and rationality points towards that being the truth. Mm -hmm. So Islam doesn't actually really have faith. Or if it does, if it has a kind of a faith or a belief in things that you can't see, it's based on the rational conviction in Islam being true in the first place. So, for okay, example, okay. if you if you were to like prove the Quran is from God, then you would also prove angels exist because the Quran talks about angels. So if you want to call that belief faith or a belief or something like that, that's fine. But it actually starts with rational conviction. And Allah all over the Quran, he actually appeals to our intellectual way of thinking, our logic, our rationality, our mind. And these things that we use uh, many times, and it may be in the form of a rhetorical question. Do they believe that they were created from nothing? Well, that would make no sense. Or were they themselves the creator of themselves? Well, that also makes no sense. Uh, did they create the heavens and the earth? No, we were born into the earth. Uh, so that wouldn't make sense. And then Allah, he ends up, uh, he, he ends off by saying, uh, rather that they don't know anything, basically. They're not sure of this at all. Uh, and that's the truth. But we don't have any knowledge of this, except, you know, if God were to reveal it to us himself. So... Uh, with that concept of Iman, it's just something that has been growing and growing and growing over time for me. I was born into a Muslim family, but I wasn't practicing, uh, I'd say, for maybe 16 years of my life. Uh, all of a sudden, I came across a, a YouTube video uh, talking about shaitan and how he became Satan. And I'm sure you heard the story about Iblis and he's a jinn and all of that. I know yeah. that. Because yeah. I think you did a reaction or talked about it in one of your videos. So I know I know that you do know that part. So um, uh I went to a Catholic school, by the way, so hearing like, you know, he was a fallen angel and all this stuff is, you know, con contrary to Islam, uh, you know, I got to put the two kind of, I don't want to say in combat with each other, but, you know, I saw which one was true at the end, in, in my personal opinion. Uh, and then from there, I went, I started watching the normal like speaker corner videos and debates and all that. And something that really, really struck me even to this day is I barely ever... I'm not going to say never, but I barely ever see a Muslim struggle to defend the Islamic position. And they're humans. Like humans will not know things. There are things that I don't know, right? Humans will possibly not know things and then mess up and look bad or whatever just because they themselves don't know the answer. But even with that being the case, I barely ever saw a Muslim struggling. And that's something that also boosted my 
my iman is very similar to Fayyad because you hear these like you know David Wood and like all these people with like oh this is the contradiction of the Quran and you know these things they they hurt your iman because now it's like you have rational evidence against Islam and then you go to one of these you know these da'is people who give da'wah and teach Islam and everything and then they clarify it in a way that's so clear and concise down to like every Arabic word and what it translates to and the dictionary they got it from or the poem that some poet wrote 1400 years ago and how he uses that word in this context like it's so deep and honestly i would say eloquent that i i can't look at a david would be and be like yeah that's a good breakdown of you know uh, this verse in the quran from a non-arabic speaker to begin with so that's something that really struck me and boosted my iman um over time uh so i would say that's you know a relatively uh, well summarized version of my story mm -hmm. yeah that's very uh interesting you you kind of touched on a, another question that i was gonna ask but uh i, I just want to give uh angel a, a some time to uh share his uh view of why you know what makes islam true to him and then i'm gonna go ask that question perfect yeah bro do you mind re repeating the question <laughs> uh, so for you, like, what makes Islam the one true religion? Because it's it's different hearing it. Uh, it's different hearing it in concept, but you know, hearing your individual story, your individual story and experience, mm -hmm. it's it's just a different mm -hmm. vibe, you know. Mm -hmm. So I want to hear from from you, like, what was that that you you uh, saw yeah. in Islam that made it the one true religion? Yeah, I, I just had to clarify, like, I had to make sure I was, you know, gathering the right thoughts here. Yeah. Not gathering yeah. it for something else. But it's it's a very hard answer to give because I have so much that I want to say. But I would bring it down to the fact that Islam speaks to our logic and our intuition. Right? So it's very logical in the sense that it's it's simple you understand you you can grasp it and it's like okay here this is this this is that um do this do that you know it's an instruction manual like i had made the example in my reverb video where it's like imagine you ordered a bed frame from ikea and imagine that that bed frame had no manual no instruction manual like you'd probably be there for a long time trying to figure that out you know you might get it done you might not get it done and if you do get it done, there's a high chance that it's probably going to be messed up in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> you know, so I like that about Islam, that it makes it very logical. And uh, you can go back. You can go back and you can see for yourself, okay, there's no alterations. Like, it's all just clear. It's clear, 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 clear. And even the things which are not clear which me and Rami, we spoke about this. He, he was teaching a class. Um, it's called Dani and Katai. And um, the ones that are clear cut, like it's like, yo, this is it, 100%. And then the ones that aren't clear cut, it, it gives you room to use your, your, your logic to be able to interpret. Your, they, in Islam, they call your your aklak, right? Am I correct? Akul, akul. Akul, your akul, akul, your intellect, right? It gives you that, that 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 space to use your intellect because God says in the book many, many times, he's like, do they not reflect? Do they not reflect? Like, reflect, like, think about this, bro. He's not saying just accept blindly. No, he's saying 
think, reflect, seek the answers, look for yourself. You know, so for me, like logically, that made so much sense. And the more you get into it, bro, you understand so many things where it's like you can never have the uh, concept of many gods without there being one all supreme God. Right. So there's this one guest that we had. His name was Faraz Zahabi. Do you know him? No, I probably so, seen. Yeah. Do you, <laughs> do you by I... any chance watch uh, UFC? Yeah, sometimes. Do you remember the fighter named uh, GSP, Georgia St. Pierre? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Faraz Zahabi was his coach. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah, so he, he's a Muslim as well, but he, he's really into philosophy. And the thing that he had said on the, um, I don't know if he actually said it on the podcast, or I think he did actually, mm -hmm. but he called it the... Um, he basically, gave, I'll, I'll try to explain it very simply here, but he says that you can't have the idea of multiple gods without the idea of one God. And it's basically saying that, like, you, you can't have the God of war without having war and without having God, right? Because if I tell you, oh, think about a mountain, you can think about a mountain. You've probably seen a mountain. You've heard of it, all that good stuff, right? If I tell you to think about gold, you can think about gold. You've seen it. You've probably felt it. You heard about it. You read about it, all that. Now, if I tell you, okay, now think about a gold mountain. You've never mm -hmm. seen a gold mountain. There, in, in, in this reality, as we know it, there's no such thing as a gold mountain. But you can put your collection of a mountain, your collection of gold together to create some kind of imagery within your head of what it might look like. Right. And that's what, when you have all these, like, in polytheism, when you have all these different gods, that's what it is. It's just... It's humans trying to put together all these things, but then it all comes back to one God. There's one God. In order for that to be multiple in this ideology, there has to be one God. So you can see, again, like how I was talking about before, where it's been the telephone game. The answer is just the truth has been trying to come to us at all times. Mm. So that's what I like about it, the logical aspect, and then the intuitive aspect where it's like, if you were to strip everything away, my brother, if you were to, let's say you were to take like a month off from work, a month off from everything in your life and just go traveling abroad and, or just go into nature, just go for like a, a camping trip for like a month. Well, it's a long ass time for a camping trip, but let's say you went for like a month for a camping trip. If you disconnected from everything, you had no social media, no phones, no electronics, no one, talking to you all the time, it's you just in like this little, almost mini isolation. What is happening is like, you start to come to the answers yourself. You know, you start to grasp everything and things start to make sense. You know, where before things made no sense, now things make sense. And it's crazy because you just, all you're doing is basically simplifying your life, making it as simple as possible, eliminating all the distractions. So when you eliminate all the distractions, the answers that come to you are the answers that are in the Quran. Why is that? Because remember how I told you, it's like, it's intuitive. Meaning that whatever is coming to you, like it was already meant to come to you. Like uh, God has already revealed this and it's so beautiful to see that intuitively, if you just remove everything, like the answers 
are there. And then when you start going to look for the answers again, you can see like, okay, which ones align with those answers that were coming to me when I was in this isolation, when I stripped everything away. I mean, even the, the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, like he received the revelation when he stripped everything away. So, I mean, it's just, to me, bro, that's, that's, that's why, bro. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to add something there to the beautiful points Brother Anhu presented that Isa, Prophet Isa, salam, so Jesus, right? We, we believe Jesus to be prophet, not divine, not God. Um, also, we people don't know this, but there's a lot of similarities between Christianity and Islam, right? So we believe in, you know, Maryam salam, or Mother Mary, right? Matter of fact, there's a, there's a whole surah in the Quran, a whole chapter just on, you know, Maryam al-Islam. Um, and we believe in Isa al-Salam. But anyway, Isa al-Salam, when he would pray, it would be in sujood, the position when you're, you're kind of kneeling down, you're on your knees and your head's down, um, you know, on the floor, on the surface. That's the position that we pray in. That's the, prophet, that's the position Prophet Isa and all the prophets would pray in. And as a matter of fact, I always recommend people that people that are unsure about their, their conviction, you know, they, they kind of have the rational conviction, like Anhel saying, maybe they don't, you know, go out in nature and form that, you know, emotional fitra connection yet, I always tell them, just go into sujood. Just even if you don't know how to pray, even if you don't even know what you're doing. But if you're sincere, go into that position. No one has to be with you. It can be in a dark room. It could be at night. No one will be there. You don't have to tell anyone. And just ask God, right, in whatever name you call God, and just ask God to guide you to the straight path, right? Don't have any expectation. Don't say you know, Allah or God, make me a Muslim or anything. Just guide me to the truth. Guide me to the straight path. And people are surprised usually more times than not where they end up, you know? I'll leave it at that. Mm. Yeah, it's great to hear uh, each of your uh, uh, experiences and, and sharing uh, with me. You know, I kind of get to see the religion from in a different way, you know? It's uh, a lot more relatable, right? Um the question I was going to ask relates to, you know, what we've been talking about here. Uh, when it comes to giving dawah and uh, the purpose of dawah, you know, we see a lot of people giving dawah, you know, but to me, a lot of times it looks like just bickering, um, insulting other religions. And um, <laughs> you, you, got, you guys probably know, like, if you've seen any of my comment sections on videos, you'll see a lot of it, not just from Muslims, but also from people of different uh, faiths. But just um, since we're talking about uh, Islam now, like what is what is giving dawah? How should it be done? And the end goal of dawah, giving dawah, is it to create a revert? Uh, what is, is it to help change a person's mind? Is it, you know, make the world Muslim? Like, what? what's the purpose of da'wah? How do you do it? <laughs> that's, a, that's a great question, mashallah. That's, that's a yes. beautiful question. So, actually, I wanted to mention something that ties into both, um, both questions that were asked. So, what I want to add is that some, something people don't really talk about a lot is Islam is just beautiful. Like, it is just beautiful. The Quran, the recitation, the message is all just heartwarming. It's heart-touching. It's, it's you know, tear-jerking. It's, it's, it's beautiful, subhanAllah. And that's also a reason, honestly, why I'm a Muslim. 
because Allah, the Prophet he said that Allah is beautiful and he, love, he loves beauty. And he said that telling us to like, you know, dress nicely and look good and stuff. Uh, but I would even extend it to the Quran that the Quran is just a beautiful thing that, you know, God created us with emotions and he revealed the Quran that definitely, definitely plays on our emotions in a good way, in a way that it should. Because there are things that uh, we should be emotional about, you know, the existence of God, it should be emotional to us. Without him, we wouldn't even be here, right? It's, it's a very beautiful thing. Uh, and the same thing is, is with Dawah. It's supposed to be in a beautiful manner. Uh, Dawah linguistically means invitation or to invite. That's, okay, invitation. All right. Yeah. So when you give Dawah to people, you're basically inviting them to Islam, to the truth, to believe in one God, to worship him alone, to submit to him fully, and to follow the way of life that he's given because he knows what's best and he's completely unbiased. God, by definition, cannot have a bias because there's nothing that can benefit him in any way. Uh, and he's all-knowing. So he just knows what is best. And he created the universe in, uh, in a very particular way uh, where, you know, we can both admit that there, there's a good way to live and a bad way to live. You know, it's not, a, it's not great to, to, to live in a way where I'm constantly putting myself in, in harm's way, in danger. You know, that just might, you know, end everything. Uh, yeah. So it'd be better, better to avoid that. So there are ways to live that, you know, people would say are better or worse. And, but objectively, only God can really tell us that. So this is essentially the message of Islam, that you worship one God alone, submit him fully, and that you take as an example the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, which leads me to my next point about da'wah. Insulting, bickering, none of that is actually Islamic. Even the arguing part, the Prophet, peace be upon him, he said, I guarantee a house in paradise for the one who gives up arguing, even when he's right. <laughs> ah, really? Yeah, and, and you know what? Take the, I'll give you the source for that, Leroy. Every time you see a Muslim bickering, you put the hadith, you slap the hadith. <laughs> and if they keep going, then, you know. Yeah, I'm going to keep that in my back pocket and just bam, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's beautiful. And um, I mean, it truly is beautiful because at the end of the day, if like the Prophet, peace be upon him, he's our example. Allah says in the Quran that we revealed the Quran, or we revealed the book, or we revealed, I forget the exact word that's used, but basically we revealed the Quran so that you can explain it to them. Hmm. Meaning that, and in other verses saying that he is in, basically he's our example, that if we have any disputes, we have to go consult him or in our case, read the hadith about his life and then basically do what he did and take him as an example and also obey him in what he commands because God says, obey Allah and obey the messenger. Uh, and when we see his da'wah, it was always eloquent. It was always beautiful. And there's narrations like, you know, he's, he said a few words, but, you know, basically with those few words, he said a lot. You know, me, I can go on for hours about one point and finally hit my point after speaking a thousand words. The Prophet, peace be upon him, he would say a few, a few words and make a very outstanding point that's, I would say, all-encompassing. And this is how Muslims should give da'wah in a way that's clear, concise, not overbearing, and with emotional intelligence. With the emotional intelligence the Prophet, peace be upon him, had. <coughs> Arguing, insulting, and all that stuff is not uh, the sunnah. It's not the way of the Prophet, peace be upon him. It's not the way of a Muslim. If you look at Musa alayhi Moses, what does Allah, you know, subhanahu wa ta'ala, praise be to him, tell Musa to do? He says, go to Fir'aun. This is the person who's probably the, the worst individual in history that people can uh, know of, especially from an Islamic perspective, uh, hearing about everything he did. Probably one of the, the worst people in history. Allah commands Moses to go speak to him kindly. If we were in front of someone like, you know, Genghis Khan or Hitler, we're not going to be like, yo, Habibi, how are you? No. Yeah, we want to cuss We're... them out, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's how we, we would want to act because they're sure. you know, horrendous people. But Allah knows that the character of a Muslim is supposed to be above that. It's supposed to be, even though they're horrible people, maybe even if it's not generally for them, maybe at least do it for yourself. 
maintain a kindness and a level of sincerity for yourself at the very least. But regardless, God tells Moses, speak to him kindly. And if you look at Abraham, his father was a person who created idols for people to worship. So when Abraham had to go to his own father and preach, you know, dawah and everything, preach Islam and teach basically worship one God alone, his father turned to him and said, you know, I took care of you my whole life and this, that, the other. Abraham basically uh, commended his father and appreciated that fact that he took care of him all of his life, uh, but still, you know, invited him to Islam without compromising his belief or insulting his father. So uh, when you look at the Prophet, it was the same thing. Allah says in the Quran, um, I'm going to paraphrase, don't insult, you know, the other gods, don't insult their gods, lest they insult Allah so that, you know, they don't end up insulting Allah. Because we know that this game back and forth, arguing, insulting is not yeah. something that's that's beneficial at all. And it's definitely, definitely not the way of the Muslim. And the Muslim should take the, the, the example of the prophet, prophet, peace be upon him, and give that yeah. in the most beautiful way. That's my answer. And Leroy Habibi, I just want to add one thing too. If you're wondering, is there an obligation to do da'wah? So the Prophet tells us, convey from me even if it's just one ayah. Even just one verse in the Quran, right? But... Those that don't want to study, you don't want to do that. The only thing that you got to worry on is your akhlaq, your character, leading by example. Because people will notice your character before you open your lips, right? So that's highly key. So these are the things we're told to do in terms of dawah. And why wouldn't you want to guide to some, you know, guide people and, and your friends and peers and family members and people that you love to the truth if you really do love them? Right. And, you know, uh, thanks for, uh, you know, just... Seeing what you said and you know clarifying dawah how it's supposed to be done this was actually something that i've i've said in in my previous videos where i'm like okay well why not lead with something that is beautiful about your religion and why not just lead with that because that that in a way is more appealing for somebody to hear because Ultimately, yes, uh, I, I understand the, the standpoint that Muslim believe Islam is 100% true, right? But that's not the belief for the majority of people on, in the world, right? The majority of people in the world are not Muslim. Uh, they don't believe Islam is the truth. So in sharing the message, there needs to be some sort of beautifying, not necessarily watering down what Islam is but some sort of beautifying because you have to be responsible in the sense that a person may interpret what you're saying incorrectly if you come at it, if come at them in a certain way, right? So I've talked about this in videos and um, I've gotten some responses where you're saying that, well, it's the truth. You should just say the truth. You know, um, anything to add to that? Like, you said yeah, so a lot of people yeah. have this, the truth hurts, so kind of suck it up or deal with the type of mentality. Yeah, the truth hurts. That's the truth, you know, deal with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so there's there's a wonderful sheikh. I always recommend him to everyone. His name is Sheikh Ali Hamuda. He's from uh, Wales, Cardiff in, in you know, UK. If anyone of, uh, of our UK peeps that are familiar with that. And he always says this wonderful thing, and he always brings Quranic evidence, and he always brings empirical scientific evidence. And he presents the idea that human beings we have two ways of being influenced, right? Emotionally and rationally, right? And he says, too many times, more often than not, if a human being has an option that is emotionally appealing, so let's say everyone else is doing it, social acceptance, validation, they feel it, right? Or something that's different, which is rational, more often times than not, they'll pick the one that's emotionally fulfilling and influencing. 
right? Because that's the nature of our fitra. That's how we are designed. One of the first things Allah is going to ask us, um, you know, on the day of judgment and, and look at is our heart. Do we have a sound heart? If we have a sound heart, everything else is going to be easy. If we don't, then may Allah protect us from that, right? So a sound heart, a pure heart, what does this even mean, right? Understanding it is one thing, but knowing that when you want to influence others, having a proper etiquette or adab in Islam is the way. A lot of these keyboard warriors and fitna warriors, fitna just means trials or tribulations, right? So a lot of these fitna warriors and a lot of these nobodies online, they love, you know, talking, you know, walk, uh, talking the big talk. When it comes to walking, they don't know much, right? So they might present a lot of things in improper ways to you or, you know, in other channels and they'll spread hate and just fitna all around. And honestly, we at T3M, bro, you already know what we do, bro. Just quickly block. We got no time for that. But aside from that, we love to spread positivity. And if you're wondering why we do that, because that's really what Islam teaches, right? And you shouldn't judge, and this is to everyone, you shouldn't judge any religion based on the followers. You don't judge Islam on the Muslims. You don't judge Christianity on the Christians, right? There's a lot of things that, let's say, Christians, Muslims, Jews have done that are heinous crimes. And we don't judge a whole religion based on that, right? These are select few individuals that are corrupt, right? So similarly, in Islam, if there's, you know, Muslims that are going around sideways trying to tell people, hey, this is the truth, you know, either you're either with us or against us, it is what it is, right? Then it doesn't represent Islam and it doesn't represent the Islamic way of or the sunnah of like giving dawah. Yeah, okay, yeah. That's what I've come to realize too. There's, there's a distinction between... The religion itself, what the religion is, what it teaches, and somebody who identifies with that religion. You know, there's a, it's a clear distinction. Yes, you're right. So it, it's never fair to judge a particular religion just on the followers, right? And that's that was a lot of um, the the feedback I was getting from people who weren't Muslim when I said, I'm going to start learning more about Islam, because right away they're thinking, whoa, 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 you're going to get brainwashed. You're going to get, you're going to convert. You're going to, you know, start yelling all these stuff. And y- y- you know, um, I'm, like still, I'm, still, I'm still waiting for when that happens, bro. I'll let you know when I get there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of that because I, I think they've looked at the actions of a few people who don't necessarily represent Islam and judge the entire religion based off of that but it's not it's not fair you know and uh, other religions get a big pass you know there's a lot of uh, jews uh, christians have done some bad things but mm-hmm. people don't necessarily write off the entire religion so what do they do to islam you know it was a question that i've, I've always wondered I- yeah, I'd want to quickly just, you know, tackle that point and then pass it on to Rami. But yeah. the reason, Habibi, is it's not profitable today in today's society, right? Islam is not, you know, the profitable answer when you look at it in hindsight, right? If Let's just, let's just do an exercise for simple sake, all right? If Islam was the truth, right? If Islam was the one and only truth, right? And the mass mainstream media, right? The main political powers, the ones that are in control, the governments, right? Big Pharma, all of that. If they want to keep controlling us, make as much money from us as possible, right? Would they be more likely to promote this ideology of Islam or would they be more likely to demonize it? Because when you demonize it, people don't study it. And when people don't study it, they don't enslave themselves to Allah, the creator. They enslave themselves to another man or a bank or a mortgage, et cetera, et cetera, 
right? So there's a huge, if you just look at most of the decisions being made worldwide, it's all for the Benjamins, bro. Nobody cares about the truth. They care about what's profitable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very true. Very, very true. Uh, there were a few things I wanted to mention on the last question, but uh, I you know, want to give the mic to Anhil if he has anything to add. Yeah, I was going to say that um, in regards to uh, the dawah, it, it's not really beautifying it because it's, again, you're calling to Islam. Islam is already beautiful. The truth is the truth. It, we got to look in terms here to what Rami has said before, where it's like, you know what, if, if you don't know about Islam, then let your dawah be your character. Right. Right, your character. Now, if someone, is, they don't know about Islam, or maybe they do know about Islam, maybe they studied it, man, like, God bless them for studying it and gathering this, like, knowledge. But then they have a character flaw because the way that they express it when they're trying to talk to people about it, it's either too harsh or it's just too much. And this is where emotional intelligence comes into play. Like, when you speak to people, you meet them where they're at. You know, you don't meet them where you want to be. You meet them where they're at. So, like, if they're ignorant and they don't know, well, like, you wouldn't thrust everything onto them. If they are closed off or they're hesitant, you wouldn't try to force them into making a decision right away. No, it's it's about having the emotional intelligence and understanding, okay, where is this person at? You know, if I am going to give Dawa, like, well, what's the best Dawa that I can give? Okay. Um, maybe the best dawah right now for me is not even speaking about Islam. Maybe it's just me being genuine to them. Maybe it's me doing something for them, right? Like there's this guy here, like I'm staying in Thailand right now and in this little community here, um, he's looking into Islam, but he's kind of hesitant, you know, he's kind of hesitant. And I noticed like for him, bro, like the best dawah has just been, just random acts of kindness, bro. Like, I cooked the other day in the barbecue, and I set aside some of the uh, the salmon and the potatoes, and I brought it to him. I was like, here, bro, I made this for you. And it's like, bro, he, he was so ecstatic. He loved it. You know, and it's like, yeah. that that was Dawah in and of itself. You know, but at no point did I mention Islam. You see what I'm saying? So it's mm-hmm. like, again, it's not beautifying. It's more so like, it's more so emotional intelligence and then um, actually knowing Islam. And if you don't, then you know, just like your character speak for itself. And if your character has flaws, then you got to work on it. You know, that's what the beautiful thing about Islam is that it's always making you work on yourself. Mm-hmm. Sam Hashimi writes, Fire is Bengali, Anho's Latino. Leroy is Kenyan and Rami is Palestinian. So Leroy, I'm bro, Jamaican. Leroy, bro, bro, whip out that patois. Tell them how it is, bro. Patois, yo, listen here. <laughs> oh, boy. Allah. But what Anhel's saying is true, man. Far too few people, unfortunately, bro, unfortunately, may Allah change that, but unfortunately, they're just too concerned about, you know, logically, you know, that best perfect philosophical argument mm-hmm. when someone just might want you to take them out for pizza, bro. You know, that type of brotherhood, that type of unity, you know, we do have that definitely. But fo- pro- fo- focusing and prioritizing more of that can only benefit us. 
right? I heard of a lot of people, you know, they're like, I accepted Christianity because they had a free lunch at the church. <laughs> yeah, I've heard stories like that too. <laughs> right? And, oh, yeah. trust me. And it's like, mm, okay, bro, if if the free lunch is, is all it's going to take you, then what does that show? Of course, yeah. okay, of course, it's It says a lot about the person. Why are you believing a whole ideology on a free lunch? But it also gives you this idea, this truth that sometimes people just want to be catered to and taken care of. And, and it's almost like it opens up their fitra because the fitra is our heart, right? It's tied to our heart and our heart, it responds better to, you know, being addressed instead of our brain being addressed. And before, bro, before Rami goes in, I want to give this, uh, this thing that happened to me, but it was the most beautiful thing because in Islam, like we treat everyone as family, you know, your, your brothers, your sisters, like we treat everyone as families. And, um, we're supposed to also treat them, the people who aren't Muslims as well as family, you know, up to the best of our ability. And in this situation, uh, I was already Muslim, but this one brother had invited me over to uh, come eat. Right? And we had a whole bunch of brothers there. And they had like pizza, they had wings and some other stuff, you know, like they had some of like the nice cuisine as well. And I saw the pizza they had and it was like, it was like pineapple with uh, something else. I was like, oh, man, that looks good, bro. <laughs> and, like, unfortunately, I'm lactose intolerant. So I can't really eat pizza or else, like, my stomach just gets crushed, bro. Oh, man. And then, like, he, he was like, oh, you want? I was like, oh, bro, like, I, I wish, but, like, I, I'm lactose intolerant. And then he's like, ah. He, bro, like, he just he went like that and he just like nodded his head and like he didn't he didn't say anything else so i was like i right, whatever and then i remember like we were all like serving our food and then this man grabbed like seven pieces of pizza and he was like one after the other i'm like damn bro like you about to go in on that pizza <laughs> bro, as soon as as soon as i said that he just looked over at me and then he just went back down and like started doing something i'm like all right whatever like he's you know, he's focused on the food, you know, like yeah. let him do his thing. <laughs> and like within like three minutes, bro, he just put like three, four pieces. I think it was three, actually. He put three pieces of pizza on my plate, all the cheese gone, but with all the toppings on it. And I was like, damn, bro, like that's what you were doing. I'm over here thinking like, you were just hungry and you wanted to have like more pieces of the pizza. But this man literally took all the cheese off those pieces just for me like that. I was like, man, like that, that spoke volumes, bro. Wow. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So I just. And bro, it reminds me of what Lero was saying earlier. Oh, this was off call. Actually, the first part was on call. He was saying that everything is predestined. You know, nothing happens by chance. And that's what we believe. But before the call, before Rami and Anil even made it on, I was talking to Lero and subhanAllah, we grew up like five minute drive. From Literally. And, and, yeah, like and, neighbors, and, pretty much. Literally neighbors. <laughs> and no one even knew this. But it's like, Leroy, all of this that's happening, bro, none of this is happening by chance, right? And I know like growing up, bro, Although, you know, the Toronto and, and Mississauga, you know, schools we went to, <clears throat> there were a lot of events, right? So to speak, a lot of boring events. Yeah. Student council events and all these. Nobody would show up, right? But what did they always offer? Free pizza, right? Mm -hmm. They always said free pizza. And, bro, how many people just went there for pizza? Just right? went there for the food, yeah. That's what it is. And uh, yeah. we have a comment from a sister. She writes, my friend almost reverted because he found out on Eid we get money. And that was his reason. <laughs> Because I was like sixth grade and I was excited. So subhanAllah, it really goes to show like a lot of people like 
they need to be warmed up first, right? You, you don't just go, you know, in for, you know, logic and, and all these perfect philosophical arguments. Those are necessary, right? But non-Muslims, they don't see that. They don't know the Quran. They don't know the Hadith. This was this was uh, a quote by uh, Khabib. They look at Muslims and their actions and how they, their, you know, etiquette and all that. Yeah, and I was even reacting to a series of the life of uh, Prophet Muhammad. And what I learned is that the the revelation came in chunks right mm. and the the muslim view is that if everything came at once it would have been too much to handle so you know if even god is giving this revelation to a prophet in stages not all at once in stages you know how much more so in when giving dawah <laughs> for people who know nothing about islam or anything like that you know it's in stages <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah this this is this is the thing about gradualism right so we have we have a, a very frequent guest um i don't know if you know his name is gabriel al-romani and we have him on a channel a lot and a lot of people subhanallah they're like you should call, you know rename your channel to the four muslims and just bring him on <laughs> as a regular panelist but yeah. gabriel he, he always said this one thing because you know he's a romanian guy you know, born into Christianity. He's been Muslim for like 19 years now. And he's a student of knowledge now, alhamdulillah. And he always said this one thing, that people lack gradualism. Yes, we got to put our foot on the gas when push comes to shove, but this whole theory of gradualism, not, okay, I'm a Muslim now, so I got to pray five times a day. Yes, you still have to pay, pray five times a day, but start with one, you know? Yes, you 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 got to, we got to dress more modestly, but start slow. Don't burn out. This whole thing of gradualism, it is the sunnah. And just like you were saying, revelation came in pieces, Right. There was no halal and haram for, I believe, the past first 14 years, right? Um, Someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but all these things came in pieces because we know that if you go from one way of life to something completely different, which is a stark contrast, most people would burn out, bro. We're all human beings at the end of the day. I uh, Actually, I just want to jump in here and comment on something. Gradualism is a a difficult topic because... um, Although people have their shortcomings, everyone does. I, even me, after practicing you know, for years, I, I have many, many shortcomings, unfortunately. But it is what it is. Everyone has their shortcomings. The beauty of Islam is that Allah SWT, he says, uh, He says, tell my believing servants who have transgressed against themselves by either, there's two ways to sin. Either you do something God says don't do, or you don't do something God commands you to do, right? And we call this farr, obligations, like your five prayers is an obligation. And any time you slip up and sin in either scenario by doing or not doing, he says, don't despair in the mercy of Allah. He says, indeed, Allah forgives all sins and it is him who is the most forgiving, most merciful. So although people should gradually learn more over time and you can't just dump everything on you at one point, when it comes to the obligations, and this is how Islam is created, people should jump to them uh, basically to, to be able to fulfill them ASAP. If they can't, if they fall short, God is merciful. God is forgiving. You ask for forgiveness, you try, you do your best. But God has set a standard for us. Five daily prayers, fasting Ramadan, um, going to Hajj if you can at least once in your life. So we can omit that because you can do that at any point in your life. And uh, 2.5% of your excessive wealth, you know, your savings and, and anything you don't need to survive, but you have. Things like that. And, you know, subhanAllah, if you think about it, Allah makes it, you know, relatively easy from that perspective. It's actually not difficult. Once you get into the habit of fasting, it's not difficult. It's actually very rewarding in this life and in the next. Uh, and on top of that, Allah says that fasting is the one thing that the reward from it, 
you know, comes from basically directly from him in a way. Uh, I think I paraphrased the hadith fairly well. Um, subhanAllah. But even with that being said, there are still benefits to fasting in this life. And there has been, you know, re research done on that essentially. For um, sure. Yeah. And Islam, yeah, Allah has made Islam beautiful. I want to comment on one thing that, you know, we kind of drifted away from, but uh, I think it's beautiful. Uh, so one thing I actually want to answer first is, you, you ask what the goal is when we give dawah. It's yes, a lot. thanks for bringing that. To, yes, I did ask that. Yeah, what yeah. is the goal? Yeah, yeah thanks sure. for catching that. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, a lot of Muslims would say the goal is to, you know, have people convert and, and so on and so forth, but uh, that's not in our hands. So you, I would say that although it's what we want, that's what we desire. We love for people to come to the truth. We believe Islam is the truth. It's the most beautiful thing for us. I watched one, a video of one sister who, who was giving her shahada um, and the, the sister that was helping her give her shahada, she was sitting there crying because she was so happy that her friend, her sister is coming to the truth now. It's, <laughs> it's so beautiful. And that's how Muslims genuinely feel, or the vast majority of them, those who give da'wah, that's how they genuinely fear, feel when you know people accept Islam. But the goal is just to invite them, just to tell them the truth. And you know, it's not in our hands whether they accept or not. You know, it's up to you know them if they're genuine, sincere, if they want to accept. And Allah, at the end of the day, subhanahu wa ta'ala, praise be to him to guide the people. And I want to kind of end on one hadith um, about the Prophet, peace be upon him. I, I'm, I am pretty sure that this is authentic. I've never heard any kind of um, dispute that it's authentic. But I don't remember the source now. Uh, basically, the son of one man uh, who was not a Muslim, or the son was a Muslim, but his father was a non-Muslim. He might actually have been an enemy of Islam. I think it might have been Abu Jahl, but I'm not sure. So for now, I'll just say a non-Muslim. The son went to the Prophet, peace be upon him, and the son just accepted Islam. But his father actually ended up dying in a battle that they waged against the Muslims. Um, I think it was the Battle of Badr, but Allah knows best. And he basically, you know, he's still sad because he still loves his father. It's his father, even though he acknowledges that his father was wrong. And he asks, um, you know, what, what's going to happen to my dad, basically? You know, what's, what's going to happen to him? And the Prophet, peace be upon him, you know, it's, his answer was so beautiful. He said, he said, your, your father is in the same boat as my father. Your <laughs> father is in the situ same situation as my father. Um, and that, that empathy, you know, that, that care and that kind of answer is, it's so beautiful. I think it sets a beautiful precedent for Muslims when they give da'wah that it shouldn't be like, oh, you know, he's going to hell. You know, but, you know, I'll see, I'll see you at the masjid on Friday. Peace. You know, stuff for all of this. That's so, that's so brutal. It's so rude. The Prophet, peace be upon him, peace and blessing be upon him. He wasn't like that as a person. I think that's mm -hmm. what we have to try and emulate to the best of our ability. Hmm. And what I'm just saying is facts. What I was mainly saying was in, in you know, as a whole, it's better to be a good Muslim than a bad Muslim, of course, right? But it's better to be a Muslim, even if you're not the best Muslim, than a non-Muslim. Once you come to the point where it's like, okay, this is the truth. And this brings me to the point where a lot of people have paralysis by analysis and they have a lot of pressure when they want to take the Shahada or become Muslim. Once they get to that point, and my invitation is, all of the people that, you know, they have the, the whispers from shaitan telling them, you know, you're not a good Muslim yet. You know, you can't pray five times a day. Who are you to become Muslim, right? Why should you become Muslim? Wait till your, your life is better. Wait till your life is more optimal, right? And my advice is you're never going to get to a point where you're perfect. You know, you're never going to get to a point where you know everything, right? Take the step and don't worry about being seen, seemed as a hypocrite or, you know, uh, I'm Muslim, but I still do this X, Y, and Z. Taking the step in and of itself is the one thing that might get you to stop doing these things, right? Because now it's that cognitive dissonance that, oh, if I'm a Muslim, I have these standards. I can't be engaging in X, Y, Z anymore, right? It's not fixing these things, then turning to Allah. It's always turning to Allah first and foremost in everything. Right. Very, very well put. Um, uh, just some final comments that I wanted to just uh, 
throw in there. Um, I think you guys are doing a really, really good job. Honestly, um, finding your channel was like a breath of fresh air. I, I, I definitely feel the, the genuineness from you. And, you know, the, the whole thing is I, I really want to encourage people to just share their religion and draw closer to their religion. Because, you know, in this case, if Islam is the truth, and it is the most beautiful thing, then why not just embrace it and grab onto it, right? And and share that with people. If, if it's truth, it, it will be the truth. If it's not the truth, then it won't be the truth. You know, it'll, it'll fizzle away and pass. So I always want to encourage that in people. And when I see it happening, it's like, wow, I'm excited. I'm not even Muslim, but I'm excited. You know what I mean? Um, so th that's who I am. And I, I think you guys are doing a, a phenomenal, phenomenal job. Keep up the, the stellar work and, uh, you know, thanks for inviting me on. Likewise, bro. Likewise. And, uh, I had a quick question for you, bro, before we ended up sure. for someone that's in, you know, a very seasoned veteran at clickbait, like yourself, what do you think of our clickbait game, bro? <laughs> clickbait game give us I give say, us your honest criticism bro i say you have a good balance of clickbait personally i think it could be a little bit more but um the whole the whole thing is with uh, with clickbait is it's clickbait is something that compels people to click your video because you have a video of value that you want to share it's just mm -hmm. like a, a movie poster a billboard advertising a restaurant you want people to see your video because you have something important to share, right? Yep. So never, you know, your, your clickbait, I think it could be stronger. Uh, if, I'm, you know, if I'm being honest, it, I'm it your thing. We got to tone it down, bro. But it's good to hear that, bro. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no. Anyway, we got one last question from a viewer. You're free to answer or deny, just like he says. But is there something Islam teaches and or practices that is deterring you from accepting Islam? And this is Brother Anthony. He became Muslim about three weeks ago. Alhamdulillah. So let yes. us know, bro. Is there something that Islam teaches that's deterring me? not necessarily based on my studies nothing specific yet what deters me is my belief that it's an a religion and i don't identify with religions right now right you know so that's the only thing uh, i i'm not against islam in any way i think it's uh it's a beautiful religion i think it's very simple the message is plain uh, some of my favorite people are Muslims, you know, uh, that I speak with on a regular basis. So yeah, nothing, nothing specific. It's just based off of my standpoint that, that I live my life right now on. That's the only thing, if you would say that's deterring me, but it's not just to Islam, it's all religion. It's, it's like, it's blanket across the board. And again, that may change, but currently that's where it is. And until you know, I learn and I'll, I'll see where this particular moment or particular time period in my life leads to and then take the next step from there. Fair enough. Mm. All right. MashaAllah. Jazakallah khair. Everyone who viewed, the brothers on here, Leroy, bro. We appreciate, you know, you coming on very, very much. I think it's been a very beautiful and very fruitful discussion. Honestly, I could say it's been a pleasure and honor talking to you. 
out of all the guests we had, uh, you know, I, I can really see, you said you see the, you know, how genuine we are. And I can truly say that I personally see how genuine you are. And I do appreciate that very, very much. Um, I hope that, you know, we can continue to talk, uh, whether on or off stream, you know, if you have any questions or anything, you can always hit us up. Uh, and if you ever get to the point where you want to accept Islam, you know, we do always invite you as, you know, we are dais, we want to give dawah. So we let's say if I accept Islam, you guys would be the first people I DM. Yes, Allah, bro. Honestly, that's an honor. That that truly is yeah. an honor. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, any final words? Yeah, bro. We got 244 viewers in the stream, so we have to have at least 655 likes, bro. I don't know how that <laughs> math makes sense, but we got it. So smash that like button if you made it this far. Go over to YouTube, FTD Facts and FTD Speaks to support Brother Leroy's work. And inshallah, until next time. With that being said. This has been the realest podcast in the dunya. Allahumma atina fi dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa kina adab al-nar. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.